With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Oh, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar back here with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say 24-17 Vikings over Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> That's what I think about uh, the Vikings. You know, I, I, I really thought after last week and that loss uh, in Chicago that uh, the Viking season was done, that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on you know, Rick Spielman. There's going to be questions asked as to why he signed Kirk Cousins to such a big contract. Um, and the, you know, the fact that the Vikings didn't make the playoffs and, you know, this, that, and the other, uh, then it all changed. It changes with a, with a nice win versus the Packers at home, a win they had to have. Uh, they're right in the mix now of being a playoff team. Um, and, and, you know, you still have a chance to catch Chicago, obviously in the NFC North. So that, that game was all or nothing. And we saw the result on the opposite. And the Green Bay Packers, I believe, are done. They are not going to make the playoffs. They still should make a run here. In fact, they have a very easy schedule uh, to finish out. But, you know, I see them as a 8-7-1 football team uh, at best coming out of this thing. And, and I think they're done for the season. They just don't have enough good players. They, they have had too many injuries. They don't have enough or don't use their weapons great on offense other than Devontae Adams. Um, and, uh, you know, the Vikings, I, I don't know what it says about the Vikings quite yet we're a good team not a great team i do not know how far we can go well that's a good point because when they beat the lions a few weeks ago we said nice win but it's the lions and they seem like a mess i think we also have to say that about last night's win as good as it was the the green bay packers i think are in a spot now where they have to fire their coach whether it's now or if they wait till black monday at the end of the season but when you can't get the football moved around the same way that Chicago or Los Angeles used misdirections and things like that. When you're still running the same offense from like five years ago that the Vikings seem to know how to shut down after about the first quarter. And, and then that's not even to mention all the decisions that were made in game that were just baffling by Mike McCarthy. That that's a team that needs a lot of work. 
to be a legitimate contender again. And I saw that in Aaron Rodgers' last 17 games, he's 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. I mean, that should just never happen considering how good he is. And he made some unbelievable throws last night. But it's just it's not a sustainable model to just have your quarterback have to be uh, not even human in order to win games. And I, I think if you're the Vikings, you should be thrilled at what the Packers look like. But also look at this win and say, yeah, you beat a pretty darn mediocre team by seven. And you... You know, when ran up and down the field on a defense that is beat up and also bad. Well, we saw it last year when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Uh, the Packers were done. That was the end of their season. You know, they, they no longer had the quarterback to put all their sort of, you know, all, all, all of everybody else's um, inadequacies end up being Aaron Rodgers trying to do more and then probably even too much. And then sometimes even misses the easy throws like he does last night because he's dry, trying to do too much. So flipping over to our team, the Vikings, uh, the question is how much do we want Kirk Cousins to do? Do we need him to be Superman and play like he played last night all the time uh, to be successful? Or are there other way, other things they can do, i.e. trying to run the football with they aren't successful last night? Or as what uh, what we have been talking about on the sh- on the show for weeks now, trying to do some other things offensively, throw the ball to Kyle Rudolph. They did that last night. A throw a screen or two. They did that last night. One for a touchdown. You know, are there other ways they can win without Kirk Cousins simply straight dropping back in the pocket? And you know, they did some play action last night. Uh, you know, those types of things. A touchdown was a play action play. Those are things Kirk Cousins does well. Can they do more of those things? Uh, without the ability to run the football, it seems like, and you know, how far can they go with that recipe? So with Cousins last night, it looked to me kind of like Pat Shermer had dialed up that game plan with the number of rollouts that they had. Uh, the play that they threw a touchdown to Delvin Cook was a Pat Shermer play from 2017. He used it with Delvin Cook against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week, I think it was week two or week three last year. Uh, that exact same play, r- lining up Kyle Rudolph in the backfield and then having uh, Cook swing out. And they, they, they need more of that because I think at some point maybe, Sage, they realized and, and should have maybe known this before, that if you're asking Cousins to just straight drop back and beat people, it's not really that successful of a model. Like You have to work around him the same way that you worked around Case Keenum in a lot of ways, except for he can make a lot better throws down the field. But some of the same philosophies have to exist. Getting Kyle Rudolph the ball on a, on a little seven-yard pass or something. It's not going to turn into much more yards after the catch, but just moving the ball positively through the air because, like you said, they can't run. I mean, they get 91 yards, but it's 3.1 yards a carry. And I think we're getting to the point where this offensive line just cannot create room for these running backs because when Delvin Cook is averaging two yards a carry, you know that it's it's really not on him. It's just these guys can't block for the run. Yeah, and, and th- this is a real problem. You know, the Vikings, and this is the difference between last year and this year. You know, they, you know, they don't really have you know a lot of different guys up front blocking. Most of the same guys from last year. Uh, you know, different O line coach. You know, who knows how much that goes in the equation? But it's pretty amazing that the Vikings with you know, and also having Dalvin Cook back. Uh, and, and healthy, but they are, you know, how much worse they are running the football than they were last year. And that is a, you know, because of that, it creates all these other 
issues. How do we get the ball to Thielen, Thielen and, 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 and Diggs and, and Rudolph and the running backs in space? And, you know, how do we move the ball and score points because we can't run the football well at all? And in games like last night, man, that's, you'd like to run the football to sort of finish out that game. And, and they, you know, they, they couldn't do that. You had to throw it. And, and uh, at some point you got to think that's going to come back to hurt this football team. Uh, I don't know how many quarterbacks or offenses in the history of the league have, you know, gone far in the playoffs and won Super Bowls with wherever the Vikings are ranked, uh, you know, with rushing the football, probably 27th, 28th in the league. Uh, and I just don't think Kirk Cousins is good enough to consistently carry this team in particular in the playoffs and probably on the road. Yeah, I, I think that you can have a mediocre run game, but I don't know if you can have no run game whatsoever and then trust him in the playoffs to win a couple of games to get you there to the Super Bowl. And, and that's the thing, that the Kirk Cousins roller coaster is so real, right? I mean, last week against Chicago, the two interceptions, it was just like classic Cousins uh, making mistakes and then racking up a bunch of yards at the end of the game when they were losing. But then this is also kind of classic Cousins that when you go through all of his games, his career, there is a reason why the guy won a good number of games in Washington. There is a reason why they're paying him $84 million because when he's on, he can be really, really excellent. And I thought last night was the best game that he's played because there were no turnovers. And uh, he mentioned after the game that John Filippo had told him Basically, look, the people in this building have families and they're going to lose their jobs if you keep throwing all these interceptions and, and fumbling this much, which is, I think, kind of a severe comment, but it's, it's also true. But I don't know if anything changes because he did that, but I think we saw the model for them that they're just going to have to try and distribute the ball to a bunch of different people and throw the swing passes and, and the screens and things like that. He's going to have to throw it 40 times because handing off just doesn't work. Yeah, and you know they sometimes they say the best. Like as a GM, uh, um, Andrew Brandt says it on Twitter all the time. A lot of times, the best deal you ever make is the one you don't make. You know, when when somebody signs somebody and they're a bad deal or whatever. Uh, but you know, I think sometimes as a quarterback, the best play that you can do is to not make the bad play, uh, and that has been sort of the the dagger for Cousins all year. And it seems like it's about once a game, sometimes twice a game. Last night it was zero. He didn't have that dagger play that, that just sort of drives you nuts uh, and costs the team big time. And for whatever reason, his seemed to be at these sort of crucial moments, you know, whether you're in the red zone or you're trying to make it back or, uh, you know, you're, 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 you have the lead and you're trying to hold the lead and there's a sack fumble, you know, something like that. But um, if, if they can, if he can protect the football better, uh, you know, sort of can't go broke, taking a profit, uh, check the ball down, high completion percentage. We're really talking a lot about what, what the Sam Bradford game plan from a couple of years ago, right? Which means John D. Filippo has to get very creative with how he designs screens, how he designs uh, pass patterns so the quarterback can get the ball out of his hands, high completion percentage, get it to all of his weapons, not take those sacks, not have to force the ball down the field. Uh, and, uh, you know, those types of things, then the Vikings have a, have a legit chance, but, um, you know, them dropping back seven step drops on first down and, and, uh, you know, trying to throw for 400 yards every game. I think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing about that is too, that the green Bay Packers don't have a Khalil Mack or a Cameron Jordan or anybody who is going to ruin your game plan. Uh, they couldn't really get much pressure on cousins, even when they tried. So, it just wasn't 
really something that will tell us a lot about how they're going to face playoff teams. It was it was more of just you needed this win so badly to set you up the rest of the way because now they have to go to New England. That's tough. They have to go to Seattle. That's tough. But if they can find a way to split those, then they're in good shape to be a playoff team. And then we'll see where they go from there. So I, I think what this shows us, though, is that their model is going to be to try and do exactly what you're saying, to, to throw those short passes, to try and get the ball distributed more to Kyle Rudolph on plays like that, hit on a few big plays here and there, and then hope that their defense can just shut down the other team. It's just the question is, can you really win that way? I, I asked Mike Zimmer this week, and I mean, it was more of a like, I hope so type of answer. But like, can you can you really win this way in the NFL now when the high powered offenses are so, so good? They are better than they've ever been before in the history of this league. Like, can you really win the way that they won last night, which was in part with efficient offense and then also with great defense? So I think at the end of the day, this Vikings team, they're a good team. They're not great. And a good team beat a below-average team last night with a great quarterback. Uh, maybe worse than below-average if you talk about 1 through 53 in that roster. A good team was not good enough to go to Chicago last week and beat the Bears, who are also a good or very good team. Right? A good team beats the Lions pretty easily at home a couple weeks ago. Right? A good team doesn't beat the Saints um, because the Saints are right now a great team. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm sort of at on, on, on uh, the Vikings. I, I don't see them as a top five, top six team in the NFL. I see them as a playoff team, but as of right now, I'm just not seeing a team that I can see advancing and winning multiple playoff games, maybe one. Um, but I think they're going to be right there at that edge when it comes down to these next two weeks are huge. I think they win these next two weeks. They might be able to, uh, close out the final three games. Uh, the next two weeks are Patriots, Seahawks for the fans at home. And then after that, and the both on the road, then after that, home versus the Dolphins at Detroit, home versus the Bears. The Bears may have the division locked up by then, and the Vikings are just, you know, basically playing for the playoffs, and, and the Bears I mean, it may, may rest their starts. We don't know at that point, but I can see the Vikings win those last three games. These next two are going to be crucial. Yeah, I mean, if, if they got two wins here, or even I look at it as just just split these two games because they are yep. so difficult. And then if you lose to Detroit or Miami, I mean, Miami's not a complete joke, but they're also not good. So if you lose to either one of those, you should be embarrassed. And then week 17, with uh, the Bears coming to U.S. Bank Stadium, it's a completely different story than going to Soldier Field where the Vikings always seem to have problems. I mean, that, that, that kind of, it speaks to how big the next two weeks are and just how big this game was, how, how badly they needed it. And I also think that Kirk, Cousins... I think, by the way, I think, I think this game that they just, that was a do or die game. Yeah. yeah. I think that game was, uh, and I heard it sometime during the week, uh, that game was the loser goes home, basically. By the way, did you see the stats last night? Um, if the Packers lost the game, which they did, their chances of making the playoffs, it was, they had a couple of different stats up there. I thought one was maybe, 15% or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. very small. Well, the Vikings are, you know, they're nine or, the, you know, they're, they're six, four and one or they're seven. Well, they, they're six, four and one. Correct. Yes. yes. Six, four time. and one. So if they have, you know, two more losses, that puts them at nine, six and one. 
which would be the Packers if they win out. That would be their team. You know, that that would that's what they have to do. So they're, you know, they can't afford too many losses here. You know, two losses out of their last, uh, you know, five games at the very most. And so, you know, I don't know if nine six and one gets in the playoffs. It's gonna be right on the edge. Don't you think also that Kirk Cousins and John D. Filippo badly needed that game for people to believe in them? I mean, I, I think after Chicago. The game plan was so poor, and they made so many mistakes, which we went over a bunch of times. But, I mean, just, you know, Khalil Mack one-on-one with Riley Reef all night and straight dropbacks and things like that. That To have Mike Zimmer call out Filippo multiple times in press conferences on, on different issues he had with the offense, and then for Cousins, uh, it was looking really bad. I mean, it, it was looking like the guy can't play in a big game without turning the ball over a few times. I think both of them needed that, not just for where they are in the playoff run, but also for where they're seen in in the locker room and and the the belief in both of those two who are kind of steering the entire ship on offense here. Well, by the way, uh, yes, I think last night, yes, definitely Kirk Cousins. He's talked about the most. John DeFlip was not talked about as much. I do know this. The, the Vikings players, the offensive players, they love Pat Shermer. Mm-hmm. They really did. And, you know, to be honest with you, Eli Manning, is, is it sounds crazy. He's having a really good year. He's having his best year. His quarterback rating is 96.2. Mm-hmm. He has not had a 96.2 or higher QB rating his entire career. Really? Even when he won Super Bowls. He is having wow. statistically a career year. He's throwing for 69%. Eli has never been a high completion percentage guy. His average of his career, Eli, 60.3. 60.3 in his career. His average QB rating of his career, 84. Right now, he's thrown at 69%. He's got 14 touchdowns, 7 picks, and a 96 QB rating. So, you know, Giants fans have been sort of going crazy because the Giants are terrible, and Eli has got a lot of that blame. Now, he does very little creating. Eli can't move at all. He is basically an iron deer in that pocket. But Pat Shermer is doing some interesting things with him, uh, Eli, this year, and they're having some success. At least he's having statistically, uh, you know, success, and, and uh, even though it's not turned out to wins. Now, again, you're, you're replacing that with John DeFilippo, uh, who – as, as a, the, the question is out, the, 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 we don't know. Is he the guy? Obviously, you know, Mike Zimmer, he has to uh, uh, sort of give his offensive coordinator full authority. Like you're running the show over there. It's your, you know, it's the staff, it's the whatever, but you're run, it's your offense. He doesn't have a lot to do with it. And when they're not really pulling their weight, uh, it, it's frustrating because there's not much he can do other than hire somebody else after the season. That's about the only thing, you know, he can do. So yeah, that was a really big game, uh, for John Filippo. I think there's, there's some smoke there. I think it's because there is some fire there and there's some concern, not just amongst Vikings fans, but obviously in that organization. And that was some of the, some of that was calmed last night. So do you see a way that they can be more efficient in using Delvin Cook? I mean, whether it's the run game or just maybe throwing to him all the time as opposed to uh, even even handing it off to him? I mean, they, they run between Latavius Murray and Delvin Cook 21 times and average three yards a carry on, on those handoffs. And I get with Latavius Murray at the end of the game, hammer him up the middle. But, you know, Delvin Cook catches three passes. He is one of the most dynamic players with the football, I think, in the whole league. 
And so getting him the ball three times through the pass, I mean, that, that's something that I, I think listen, they could even still do better. Listen, three times for 47 yards and a touchdown on three targets. That's pretty good. And maybe there's, they got to do more empty, you know, type stuff. Or again, you know, play action with the screen to the running back. Um, or just straight drop back screens, you know, slow down that rush any way possible. Uh, or go empty, bring the rush, but get the ball out quick. And one of those guys could be Dalvin Cook, you know, in the slot or shoot, just running a hitch route out there one on one with a safety or something. Uh, you know, this guy needs to be a part of this offense more and more and not just from the sort of the eye back position and, you know, hand, handing him the ball, uh, because he needs, he's so fast and you saw it last night. Latavius Murray probably makes that catch into a 12 to 14 yard screen route. Mm -hmm. uh, Cook takes it to the house because he just outruns everybody. And he doesn't, it doesn't seem like it, but you just see people sort of have the angle and then he's gone. And uh, you saw the last night, they got to find ways to get him on space more. So let me ask you this. And then uh, just a, a quick other couple questions on some other things, not Vikings related, but do you trust Kirk to be able to repeat this performance? in Seattle, in New England, against Chicago Week 17? Or do you think we're just we're just going up and down with him? Like, was there something that they found last night that you could just keep repeating so he's not turning the ball over and so he's hitting on some big plays to Diggs and Thielen but working the ball around much more? Uh, is that Do you think that that's like the philosophy that's just going to work? Or it was that kind of a really good blip when we've also seen the bad blips? I think they didn't play against Khalil Mack last night. <laughs> That's uh, very true. Right? That's they they did play against these, you know, a, a premier player, and that very much helps. Uh, you know, the Saints defense is number one in the league against the rush, which means a lot of third long situations, which means Cameron Jordan uh, and, and that, you know, those good pass rushers. Uh, I think that's what the Vikings. You know, we're, we're dealing with uh, a team that didn't have that premier player. And, you know, the question is, you know, what does Bill Belichick do this week? Uh, my, my guess is that he tries to pressure Kirk Cousins. Now, the Patriots never have these great pass rushers, but I think they see when Kirk Cousins has pressure on him uh, and when he's dropping back that, you know, he gets in trouble. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I just don't think the Vikings, I don't think Kirk is good enough to put on that performance against really good defenses consistently without making some sort of mistake. And I think uh, he played great last night, but I think that mistake is bound to happen when you have a uh, Khalil Mack or, or somebody like that, uh, when the, who, who they will have, you know, Aaron Donald, whoever might be when, when this playoff run happens. They, yeah, they will. So let me ask you uh, the same question that I asked Mike Zimmer. Do you like when you watch on uh, Thanksgiving, uh, the Saints going completely bananas on offense. Do you like a, a 51 to 54 game? Is that Zimmer said it wasn't his cup of tea, which I'm sure shocks everyone. Um, do you like it? Is that, is that your kind of football game? I don't know. You know, that's a good question. What, did you see there was a college football game that was like 74, 72 or <laughs> yeah, well, something? The, Texas the, A&M. Did you, well, did you see how that played out? The, it was, uh, it was like 30, 31, 31 or something. It went to seven overtimes and then yeah, they just kept yeah. scoring. Do you like those games? You know, I don't know. And I'm a big 12 guy. Uh, it's interesting, you know, you, you're playing the you know, Iowa State, you follow the big 12 and Oklahoma's beating Texas Tech, you know, whatever it is, 62 to 52 and these crazy high scoring games. And this year, Iowa State and last year, their defense has been really good. And it's been really fun to watch good defenses. 
Uh, and because good defense, they play together. It's a mm-hmm. very, very, uh, sure group oriented, you know, the hustle and the sacrifice and, and getting guys down and, and guys really pushing the envelope with the effort. That effort is really fun to watch when guys are really sort of living on the edge there. And it's been fun to watch for me as an Iowa State fan. So I, I do enjoy really good defenses, the energy it brings to the team when defenses are dominant. Mm-hmm. I enjoy offenses that execute. Um, and are creative and get guys in space and, you know, obviously score points and all those things. But, you know, the, the energy and the, um, you know, just having a good defense, I think it, uh, you know, to watch a good defense sort of overwhelm an offense that to me, that is fun to watch. Yes. I, I like when you see the other team's quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers last night in the second half, look completely defeated frustrated they're walking off the field because your defense has just smothered them and and that that is that is fun to watch when it's your team and you're just watching your defense beat up on someone but then i mean entertainment value if you're getting uh ron rivera said he wouldn't mind a seven to six game it's like uh, okay ron you know that that sounds like a a barrel of monkeys right (laughs) just you know having that uh time after time I, i don't think maybe would be that great well, listen, I, you know, if soccer games were 11 to 9, would they be more interesting than they are 2 to 1, right? That's just sort of the, the question that we're, we're ha- having here. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if that's the answer. But, uh, you know, either way, good execution football is fun to watch when there's a lot of really tight contested plays when, the, you know, the tackling's not sloppy and, and you know, when – and this, by the way, this is why everyone's trying to protect the quarterbacks because – uh, everyone knows that, you know, well-executed offenses are more fun to watch and, and higher completion percentages and, and, you know, those types of things. And the three and outs are, are a complete bore and people turn off the TV. So either way, just good execution, uh, you know, tight competitive plays. And, and I, I, but by the way, I was thinking when you were talking, I think, but, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, from the start of that game last night, I've never seen him have less energy. Yeah, yeah. Less energy. And it was so obvious on TV. He looks like he, um, I don't know. He looks like he is like sort of unhappy. And like there just was no positive vibe going on there last night. And that's the first, he looked defeated before the game started, and I had never seen that before. Yeah, he, every shot that they were showing, the close-ups of him, because where I sit in press box, there's a TV right above me, uh, so I could see the play over again, and every shot that they would show of him after a play, he was either just sort of frowning or making, like, no facial expression. Uh, he, he wasn't even jogging off the field, really. It was just like a slow walk off the field if they had a three and out. Uh, he, he really, I mean, passed... The first quarter of that game, he was almost like a non-factor, and that's something that you can never usually say about him. But it felt that way last night. It even felt like uh, when they were talking about, oh, we can't give you know Rodgers the ball back at the end of the half. That's why they botched the the clock. They they decided to let the clock run down to set up a fifty-one yard field goal to turn into. A but by the way, by the way, the TV version last night. Uh was in complete agreement with that. You know, when they had that third down to run some clock, because if they don't get a first down, you don't want to give Rodgers the ball back. Um, and so but Chris Collinsworth thought the Vikings played that perfectly last night. Which yeah. you will say, the chance of getting a touchdown are pretty slim. Getting a field goal attempt, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they did everything sort of right. 
not giving Rodgers the ball and getting a field goal attempt if they make the field goal. Um, but, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers looked defeated last night and I, uh, from the beginning of the game to the end. And, and it feels like he's carrying a lot of extra baggage and extra weight mentally, emotionally. Uh, you know, I, who knows from what? Obviously, you would think just football, uh, but there's, you know, there's other aspects of his life, which I'm sure are challenging. Uh, if you follow any of the, you know, the TMZ type nonsense, uh, his brother sort of called him out, uh, you know, last week with the forest fire stuff. And, yeah. you know, there's a whole family thing there. So it felt almost like he had the weight of his, sh- you know, weight of the world on his shoulders last night. Not a lot of positive energy coming from Rogers. So, and that's part of the reason that I thought, well, with Kirk Cousins completing like 90% of his passes there in the first half and they can't stop Thielen and Diggs, why are you just not being as aggressive as possible when Aaron Rodgers isn't playing really like Aaron Rodgers? You're kind of giving him the respect, but he's not really performing that way. So even if you had to punt the ball away from your 40, let's say it goes down to their 20 with no timeouts for the Packers, that he's just not probably not leading a, a touchdown drive there. So... I, I thought that letting the clock run down and eventually setting up your own 50-yard field goal was a misplay by them that they should have been a little more aggressive there. Yeah, no, I see that. I see that. I, it's an interesting, you know, the, the Packers just are not that dangerous. I think there's like a there's like a thing that we think the Packers are this really super dangerous offense, and that's just not the case anymore because they basically have, have Devontae Adams and, you know, that the other guys are not making a lot of plays. Right, right. Uh, last thing, last thing. Um, the Baltimore Ravens have won their last two games with Lamar Jackson playing quarterback. Listeners of the podcast will know that I really liked Lamar Jackson and I like the Ravens getting him with the 32nd pick. I thought it was a steal. Um, he comes in, he wins his first two games, not against great teams, runs for around 200 yards in those games. Can they actually win with their quarterback averaging 100 yards rushing a game? I think they can. I mean, this is a different style of football and, you know, the Bears are sometimes playing it. You know, Trubisky sometimes will, uh, he sort of does more with his legs than he does with his arm in some of these games. Um, and, and shoot, we saw Josh Allen do it also yesterday, getting a win with, with more of his legs. I don't think it's a, like a, you know, it's not a 15 year sustainable, um, uh, you know, you know, say recipe or equation or, or, or whatever. Uh, it's, it's not, I don't think you do it for long term, but short term, I do think you can win a lot of football games. I mean, Tim Tebow won a lot of games and he really couldn't throw the football much at all. You know, but so I think Lamar Jackson with I mean, his, his speed is really incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's hard on the defense when you have a running back or a quarterback who can run the football really well. It just is hard on a defense. And uh, obviously the Ravens are making full use of that, not relying on his arm as much, but you know, relying on his, on his legs to win. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that goes. And I, I wonder if they had started him from the very beginning because Flacco looked good in preseason, had a couple of decent weeks, and then just kind of returned to being the older, injured, slow Joe Flacco that he's been. And I, I wonder if they had used Lamar Jackson the whole time how that would have looked for them because now they're sort of just a, a mediocre team. But uh, Yeah, I don't know, but it's probably good that he did sit right away. I think it's really tough for you know a rookie quarterback week one or you know first couple weeks of the year to be thrown out that you sort of see what that veteran has to go through the first half of the year and right. uh you know and then you'll learn I think you'll learn a lot in those games. Oh yeah, that's true. And and I'm very interested to see where his career goes because I think that he can throw the ball 
And I think he can work through reads and things like that that he did in college. It's just going to take him a little more time because the throwing mechanics, uh, not not that I am a, a guru of it, but it was pretty obvious that they, they are not uh, where they need to be. But if he improves that over the next few years, I, I think he can be an unbelievable talent. I really do think you can... I really do think you can improve as a thrower, as an accurate thrower. Uh, I feel like I really improved my rookie year as my career went on uh, as an accurate uh, you know, quarterback. I was a 52% thrower in college, and I think my career I was 64 or something like that overall. So I really do think you can get better as a thrower. The more you understand defense, the more accurate uh, thrower you are as well because you can anticipate and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's got a future. You know, we'll see, but, you know, they're they're winning the they're winning their certain way uh and you know back to the vikings i we you know can the vikings go as far as that we hope they can go uh with this formula that they currently have right yeah well we'll talk about it more uh look over the film see what we can find that worked for them against green bay and then you and i will get together on wednesday thank you sage sounds great and uh, thank you all for listening to the purple podcast whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.